Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. Hey, last week was pretty crazy, right? I mean, it was... It was pretty intense. That escalated very fast. I know that in the office on Monday or Tuesday, we were kind of sharing memes and making some jokes and having a little laugh. And then as more and more news reports came out, everybody became a suspect. Like everybody who rubbed their nose, touched their face or sneezed. I was like, you got the Rona. Like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right? Anybody else feel that way? I mean, it went from sharing memes to going and buying enough hand sanitizer to fill up a hot tub. Like that that's, that's how this week went. And, and it was it was a little chaotic. It was a little crazy. And we didn't really anticipate everything that's going to happen. And as an extrovert, I learned a new word this week. It's called social distancing. Do you know what that is? Okay, introverts have been practicing this for years. Okay, and they've been telling me for years, Byron, keep your social distance. But I, I never imagined that you could literally save the world without ever getting off your couch. (laughs) But that's exactly the kind of world that we're living in today. I mean, things are changing. Things are changing rapidly. Things are changing fast. And as a church, we want to be able to change with it. And so if you're here today and you're joining us, whether you're watching online, listening on a podcast, wherever you're at, what are you doing, right? You might notice that things are a little bit different, okay? Instead of our normal Sunday service where we're meeting in downtown Beaumont, 601 Park Street, in an old warehouse that we call Redemption. Okay, we're actually meeting in a living room, right? We're meeting here because that's where you're going to be at. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to kind of be in the same place that you are, even though we can't be in the same place that you are. So from our living room to yours, we want to help you be able to experience life change through Jesus because life change does not depend on a location. Life change is all about a person and his name is Jesus. And you can experience life change anywhere, anytime, any place, whether it's in the church or whether it's on your couch, we can still be together. So Redemption Church still exists to help you experience life change, but it's going to look a little bit different. And considering it being different, you might notice that today we're going to start a brand new sermon series through the book of Philippians. We've entitled the, the, the series to find joy even when you don't feel like it. Some of you may be thinking, uh, weren't we supposed to be in Mark? What happened to the gospel of Mark. Well, we're going to put a pause on Mark because it didn't feel very applicable to the season because this week in Mark, I'm actually supposed to be preaching over Jesus flipping tables, okay, getting in a fight with the Pharisees and cursing a fig tree. And that just does not seem something that we should really be talking about in this moment. So we want to put pause on that. I know we've been moving at the lightning pace of watching paint dry through the gospel of Mark, but in 2021, We will finish the book of Mark. But in the meantime, we're going to do the book of Philippians because Philippians is a book that is all about joy. So let me ask you a question. If I were to ask you, 
what word would best define how you feel right now? What word would you choose? Like, be honest. Okay, we're still in church, even though it's your house. It's still church. So no lying in church. Okay, all the wives just hit their husbands, right? No lying in this house, in this church. Okay, so here, here's what I want you to do. If you were to be honest, what word would you use to describe? Listen to your heart and then just kind of say how you, how you feel. How many of you would say, I'm a little anxious, Okay, would you say you're a little anxious? Okay, you don't know what's going to happen next. You're a little uncertain. How many of you would say, I, I feel a little bit worried? Monday, I wasn't worried, but today's Sunday, and I'm a little bit worried. How many of you would describe yourself as stressed, as frustrated, as exhausted? How many of you would say, I have noise fatigue from watching social media and listening to news all day? How many of you, that's where you're at? Okay, that's exactly where I was at this week. Okay, if I had to choose one word to describe how I feel, my word would be stress. All week long, I am texting and calling people from the church, right? All week long, we're having meetings. The office is still meeting. We're scrambling, trying to figure out how we're going to do house church and church at home. We've never done live streaming. And so we're trying to figure all that out. I'm talking with the board, providing pastoral care. People from our church, deacons called everyone through the list on our serve teams to make sure people are okay. I'm still in college and my professor told me your final is still due. So make sure you get it done on time. And I'm like, I am so stressed out. And then Friday I came home and me and my wife, Ashley, we finally got a minute to be able to have a heart-to-heart -heart connection. And as I walked into the house, she said, babe, how are you feeling? And I said, I am stressed. That's how I would define myself. What word would you use to describe or to define how you feel today? Now, how many of you would not choose the word joy? Anybody feeling a little bit of joy? Anybody feeling that right now? No, we're probably not feeling it. And that's the reason that we need to find it. That we need to find our joy. The church needs to remember what it means for us to have joy despite the circumstances, in spite of the circumstances, because joy does not depend on where we're at. Joy does not depend on what's happening around us. Joy depends on what God is going to do inside of us. Amen. And I wholeheartedly believe that in this time and in this season, the church needs to have joy because the world is watching. The world is watching how we are going to react. The world is watching how we are going to respond. And the world needs us now more than ever before because the world is falling apart. But when the world falls apart, here's the good news. And here's what I want to encourage you with today. That when your world is falling apart, it is possible for you to have joy in your heart. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11. And the sermon title today, as we begin this great study through the book of Philippians, the sermon title for today is this. Even when the world is falling apart, you can still find joy. And that's the reason that we're going to be doing all of this, because if you don't feel it, that's why you need to find it. I'm going to be honest. As we get started with this series, hey, just shooting you straight, I don't feel a lot of joy right now. Okay, and I know I'm, I'm the pastor, and I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm preaching to myself. Right now in my life, I do not feel a whole lot of joy, which is all the more reason right now I need to find it. Okay, because if I'm going to be a husband, I need to find my joy in this season. If I'm going to be a dad to two beautiful little girls, I need to find my joy in this season because my daughters are watching me. If I'm going to lead this 
church, I need to find my joy. If I'm gonna be sitting with people who are hurting and need help and prayer, I can't do that from a place of stress or worry or exhaustion. I need to do that from a place of deep, resounding, pure, good joy. I need joy, and if I don't feel it, that means I need to find it. And maybe you're in that same place. And you may be thinking, okay, wh- wh- what's gonna happen? How can I have joy in this circumstance? Okay, because joy doesn't depend on your circumstances. Yeah. Right? Joy does not depend on circumstances. Happiness depends on circumstances. Okay, but joy, joy comes from something else. Okay, a lot of pastors, we need to define our terms, so let's go ahead and define the term of joy. Joy is what God does in you through the work of the Spirit by the Son, Jesus Christ, as a gift that comes from the Father. Joy is what God gives to those who are in Christ. Okay, happiness, happiness is a little bit different. In some churches and some pastors, they'll say, well, happiness, you don't need happiness. Look at all those people and their happiness. No, no, we're Christians and we have joy just so you know I like being happy okay it's cool to be happy like I enjoy happiness I like happiness happiness is a good thing don't let anybody tell you it's not okay to be happy okay the book of Proverbs says happy is the man who fears the Lord okay you can be a Christian you can be happy right I like being happy I went to Kroger the other day they did not have any bluebell that did not make me happy (laughs) bluebell makes me happy Okay, toilet paper makes me happy. (laughs) And when we run out of toilet paper, I will not be happy. (laughs) And neither will my wife. (laughs) There's things in our lives that make me happy. You know what makes me happy? Hugs. I love hugs, and I can't get any hugs right now. Everybody's like, stay six feet away from me. I can't get my hugs, and I'm not happy. As an extrovert, I like hugs. I like being around people. You know why? Because people make me happy. But even though I don't have Bluebell, even though I don't have hand sanitizer, I might run out of toilet paper, and I ain't got no hugs, I can still have joy. Because joy doesn't depend on my circumstances. The word happy literally means circumstances. It comes from the, the, the word hap, which means luck, which is something that happens to you. That's why we say like, oh, this happened. Hap, happened, happy, right? That, that's where it comes from. This happened, I got this, this did not happen. Okay, then you're happy or then you're not happy. It's based upon your circumstances, right? But joy is not circumstantial. Joy is spiritual, Joy is what God gives to you when you are in him. And so my goal through this series is not to get your head or focus off of kind of the problems that are going on around us or to diminish what's happening in the world around us, but it's to maximize what God wants to do within us. That's what we want to do. Okay, I don't want to minimize the trials, the testing, the tribulations. I don't want to minimize the problems. What we want to do through this series is to maximize your joy. Look, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know what's gonna happen next. Truth be told, I don't know. So I'm not gonna sit here in this message from my living room to yours and say, don't worry about it, it's really not that big of a deal, everything's gonna be fine, calm down. Because you know what the worst thing to tell somebody who's freaking out to do? Calm down, you're being crazy. No, 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 don't ever say that. Okay, I don't wanna do that to you because you know what? It might get bad. We don't know, right? Some of you, you're worried because you might lose your job. And yeah, you might lose your job, but you don't have to lose your joy. Mm-hmm. Some of you, you're worried because you might lose financial stability, 
but you don't have to lose your joy in it. You're worried because some of you might get sick and you actually might get sick, but you don't have to lose your joy. Someone you know might actually suffer. We don't know what's going to happen. We've never been in a situation like this, a global pandemic. I mean, the world is, the world is in pain and we don't know what's going to happen next. But I do know this, that we don't have to lose our joy through it all. And so that's what I want to do. I just want to help you to be able to find joy. And it is possible for you to find joy in all of this. You know how I know this? Because Paul writes the book of Philippians. Do you know where Paul's writing the book of Philippians from? On a beach in Hawaii, sipping on a Mai Tai. (laughs) No, he's writing it in prison. He's writing in a dark, cold prison cell, chained to a Roman guard, falsely accused, been beaten, his legs put in stocks, awaiting certain death. Paul doesn't know what's going to happen to him. He doesn't know if he's going to live. He doesn't know if he's going to die. He doesn't know if he's going to eat, if he's going to have anything to drink. He doesn't know if he's going to get to sleep that night or if they're going to torture him by keeping him awake all night. He does not know what's going to happen next. But here's what he does know. He still has joy. It is possible, whether in prison or a pandemic, for you to have joy. Because Paul writes a letter of joy to the church at Philippi, even though he is in prison. In fact, joy is the major theme of the book of Philippians. 19 times in the book of Philippians, he writes about his joy. He says, I have joy for you. I have joy in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. 19 times, despite his circumstances, he actually has joy. So I want to read this to you, read this over you, so that way you can begin to claim some of these verses yourself. I mean, as we dive through Philippians, we're going to see some of the most beautiful, the most quote. Quotable Bible verses. Many of you learned them in Sunday school, but I think it's important for you to remember them for today. Verses about joy. Just think about some of these amazing verses in Philippians 1.4. As we're going to read in a moment, he says, always in every prayer of mine for, for you are making my prayer with joy. That we can pray with joy. In 118. Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. When the gospel goes forward, there is a reason to rejoice. 125, I will remain and continue with all of you for the progress and the joy of faith. In 2-2, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love. When there is unity in the church, there is joy. 2-17, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. 2-28, I I am the more eager to send Epaphroditus, therefore, that when you see him, you may rejoice again. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. For one, therefore, my brothers, who I love and I long for, you are my joy and my crown. And then for four, because right now some of you still may not feel like rejoicing or having joy, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord. How long? Always. You say, that sounds like a lot. It is. And he knew that you wouldn't think it was possible, so he wrote it again. I will say rejoice. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to kind of see a pattern here that Paul is wanting to encourage his church. He's wanting to encourage our church. He's wanting to encourage the church that no matter what's going on, no matter your circumstances, no matter the situation, even when the world is falling apart, it is possible for you to have joy 
in your hearts. So with all that being said, what I want to do today as we dive into Philippians 1 through 11, I want to give you five ways for you to be able to find joy even when the world is falling apart. You say, well, what was all of that you just did? Wasn't that your sermon? No, that was my introduction. <laughs> okay, now we're actually going to get into the sermon today. I'm going to give you five ways from the book of Philippians for you to find joy even when your world is falling apart. The first thing you need to do Right, you need to remember who Jesus is. You need to remember who Jesus is. When the world has fallen apart, remember who Jesus is. Here's actually what he writes. Paul and Timothy. Paul is the apostle. He's a church planter traveling around the world, letting people know who Jesus is. And then he's got a sidekick. He's got a number two. He's got a quarantine buddy. His name is Timothy. Him and Timothy, they're in prison and they're in Rome and they write a book of the Bible to a church at Philippi. And here's what it says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi and with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to find joy, then what you got to do is you got to start where Paul starts. If you want to find joy, you got to start where Paul starts. And here's where Paul starts. He starts with Jesus. Okay, if you want to find joy, you need to get to Jesus. As he begins to talk about joy, he starts with Jesus because those two things, they're connected. Okay, Jesus and joy, they go together. If you want to find joy, then you need to actually focus on Jesus. Three times in this two verses, in just the introduction, he says, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus. Because if you got joy, okay, that comes from Jesus. And if you get Jesus, then you got joy. Six, 19 times he says joy, and throughout the gospel or throughout the book of Philippians, he uses the name Jesus 69 times. I went to public school, and that's a lot. Okay, because joy and Jesus, they go together. So if you need to find joy right now, here's what I want you to do I want you to focus on Jesus. So let's just talk about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the second member of the Trinity. There is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And whenever God made the world, he made it good. That he made everything that there is and he made it good, he made it right, he made it true because God made the world to be able to experience joy. See, God in heaven, joyful. Father, Son, Spirit, community, relationship, love, harmony, there is joy within the Trinity. And so he made the world to be able to be a reflection of that good joy. He made mankind to be a reflection of his own image, and that was to be able to experience joy. Whenever he made the garden, okay, I want you to think about something. Many people think that God's a big meanie up in heaven just waiting to say no and to be able to smite you, and he's waiting to judge you. I don't believe that. I believe that God wants wants to give us joy way more than he's going to want to give us this judgment. Do you know how I know that? Because in the Garden of Eden, there was only one tree they were told not to eat. Right? Every other tree, joy trees. <laughs> but there was only one tree they were told not to eat, and that was the tree of knowledge of good and an evil. But here's what our first parents did. Our first parents, they sinned, they fell, they rebelled, and they separated themselves from God, and they lost the joy. 
Many of you are wondering right now, like, I don't see joy. I don't feel joy. I'm looking around the world right now and I don't know where the joy is at. How did it all go wrong? Because our first parents, they, they gave up their joy. See, God has a three-letter word for you. J-O-Y. That's God's word for you. But Satan has a three-letter word too. It's S-I-N. That's sin. Sin steals your joy. Right? Sin robs your joy. Sin takes away your joy. When the world had fallen, it's because sin had stolen their joy. They were trusting in something or someone else to be able to give them what God promised to them, their joy. And so our first parents, they fell and they rebelled and they lost their joy. And the world ever since has been headlong in brokenness and pain and hardships and hurt and disappointments and difficulties. But God had a plan to give his kids their joy back. And it was in his son, Jesus. And that God sends Jesus and he enters into this life and he suffers as we suffer and he is burdened as we are burdened and he lives as we live and he dies as we will die and he gives his life. And the Paul elsewhere, he says that it was the joy set before him that he endured the cross for joy. And Jesus, he takes upon himself our three-letter word, S-I-N. He takes upon himself our sin and then he gives us his three-letter word j-o-y because jesus gives joy if you want joy you need to focus on jesus i mean how could you think about jesus and and not feel a little bit of joy like my sins are forgiven joy (laughs) my past has been erased joy right that i have a future i have a hope i have a goal i have a purpose i got the spirit in my heart i got a pep in my step i got joy when you think about jesus right now if you're watching this or listening to this whatever you're doing right now you want to have some joy right now focus on jesus Mm -hmm. whenever i lose my joy it's because i've lost my focus because i start looking at all the things that are around me instead of looking at what jesus has done for me If you want to find joy, start where Paul starts. Where does he start? He starts with Jesus. If you want to find joy, focus on Jesus. The second thing, if you want to find joy, is this. You need to remember who you are. You need to start by knowing who Jesus is, but then you got to remember who you are. Look what Paul says. We're going to read that section again. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints. Circle that word, highlight it. That's important who are in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First you start by remembering who Jesus is and then you begin to remember who you are. I want to encourage you with something. I say this all the time. I tell us as a church, this is so incredibly important, but I got to remind yourself in this season is that your identity does not come from your activity. Hey, let me encourage you with that, that your activity may describe you, but it does not need to define you. Here's what I mean by that. Okay. Because right now I identify as stressed. That's why whenever I came home and my wife asked me, Byron, how are you doing? I said, I'm stressed. And that was how I felt. But at the same time, that's not who I was. And so it's so easy when life gets crazy for us to begin to identify ourselves with how we feel instead of what God says about us. 
It's really easy for us to begin to find our identity from what we do rather than who God says that we are. So whenever you feel like the world has fallen apart, you need to remember who you are. Who does God say that you are? It's a very important word, and it's this word right here, saint. Some of you are like, a New Orleans saint? No, <laughs> a Philippian saint. <laughs> You're a Philippian saint. You are a saint. That word is hagos, or it means to be holy. It means to be blameless. It means to be separated. It means to be set apart. It means to be unique. It means to be made of God. That's what a, a saint is. But right now, I didn't feel very saintly this week. But it doesn't really matter how I feel. It matters most about what God says. That you are a saint. Whenever things get crazy, it's really easy to forget who you are, right? You ever notice that? When things get crazy or you get stressed or you get anxious or worried, it's really easy to forget who you are. You start acting in ways that betray your nature or betray your character. You begin going back to some of those old patterns and those old habits in your life because you forget who you are. But that's not what God says about you. You gotta remember that how you feel doesn't really define you. Right? Your feelings are real, but that does not mean that they are the truth. See, the truth is you are a saint. You may not feel like a saint, but you are a saint. That's good. And one of the things that you keep acting in that way is because you forgot who you are. You need to remember who you are in Christ. The, the saint is so incredibly important. Some of you are thinking, I didn't feel like a saint this week. That's okay. That's why he uses this word right here. Grace. Amen. Right? He says, saint, grace. Some of you are like, uh, this week, uh, not a good week for me. Okay, this week I yelled at my wife, I hid from my kids, this week I stole from a grandma at the grocery store, I mean, whatever it is. Right, I got in a fight with my boss, I told him to take this job and shove it, I got laid off, like, <laughs> Texas bought more alcohol per capita than any other state. I know some of y'all say you didn't do it, but I know that y'all did it. This week you're like, I ain't no saint. That's why he says there's, there's grace for you. Amen. Yeah. Because you need grace. You need grace. Actually, grace is only available for saints. Because if, if you're not a saint, you don't need grace. But saints need grace. And so he says, there's grace for you. Some of you are like, but I don't deserve it. I know that's why grace is so important. Because you don't deserve it. But he gives it to you anyway. Come on. So you say, well, I don't feel it. Don't worry. He's got another word for you. It's called peace. Yeah. He says, he says, saints, grace to you and peace from our Father, Jesus, from the Father of Jesus Christ. There's, there's grace for you in that. And so I just don't want you to forget who you are in the midst of this. You are a saint. How does that feel? It feels pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to update my social media profile. <laughs> saint. <laughs> feels pretty good. Put that on your resume. Saints. That feels good because that's, that's who you are. God does not identify you with your sin. God identifies you by his son, Jesus Christ, and he declares you as a saint. Yeah. Hey, there's some joy in that. Even when the world is falling apart, remember who Jesus is and remember who you are. Which leads to the third point, which is this. Remember, remember where you come from. So remember who Jesus is, remember who you are, 
And then remember where you come from. He says in verse three, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for making my prayer with, what's the word? Joy, because of your partnership in the gospel with me from the first day until now. He is in prison, and here's what he does. He begins thinking about how much he loves his church. He begins thinking about the church that he helped plant 10 years prior. See, he's writing this 10 years after he actually planted the church at Philippi. So the Philippian church is about 10 years old. Here at Redemption, we just celebrate our fourth anniversary as a church. So go ahead, pat yourself on the back. Praise the Lord for you. And he's writing this letter to a church that he helped plant. And he says, I remember you guys. And when I think about you, I have joy. And then he begins to reflect back. He says, from the first day uh, until now, I have, I have this, this joy. And if you want to actually do a Bible study to learn more about the church at Philippi, because they're an amazing church. They are an incredible church. They are actually the gold standard church of the New Testament. I mean, there are other churches when Paul's writing, he doesn't really have a lot of really nice words to say to them because he writes to the Galatians. He's like, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You're like, "Ah, did I really get that letter? I mean, he, he writes four letters to the church at Corinth. So you're like, four? There's only two in my Bible. The other two were so bad, God did not let them put it in the Bible. <laughs> One was called a letter of tears, okay? That's what it was actually called. Paul got, a little, Paul got a little in his flesh when he was writing those other ones, and the Holy Spirit's like, let's just tuck that away. <laughs> I mean, he, he writes to them, and, and, and so he gives these rebukes. He never gives a rebuke to the church of Philippi. Instead, he rejoices over the church of Philippi. Because they are a beautiful, wonderful, amazing church. And if you want to learn more about them, you can actually read in Acts chapter 16. That's where their story is. And it starts with three people. Paul rolls into a region known as Macedonia after having a vision of a man who says, hey, please come help us. So him and Silas, his other buddies, like, hey, we got to go to Macedonia. God's got a purpose for us over there. He rolls into town. He goes to the synagogue as usual, but there is no synagogue because there are no believers. And so he finds a prayer meeting with some godly women who are meeting down by the river, and he goes and he begins to pray with them. And then they become converted. One of the name was Lydia. She opened up her home and said, hey, you can start a church in my house. And so they all moved into Lydia's house, and one day they're out preaching. There's a slave girl, and she begins making fun of Paul, and he realizes that she's demonically possessed, and they're harassing her. she's harassing him. So he just turns around and casts the demon out, then she gets saved. She goes back to Lydia's house. And then as the, the owners of the slave girl get very upset because they can no longer profit off of this slave girl who's been de- demonized, well, they get Paul arrested. He gets thrown in prison. He's beaten. He's tied into the stocks. And he's sitting there in prison. And then he turns to Silas and says, hey, it's a pretty long day. What do you want to do? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. What do you want to do? He says, I want to sing. And then he's sitting there in prison and he begins crying out. He begins worshiping the Lord. And as he is worshiping God, the shackles break off that the jail doors fling wide open and there's an earthquake that happens and the spirit moves in and everything is broken and chained and the chains fall off and he is set free and God moves even in the midst of the prison. So then the the jailer's like, this is it. I'm going to lose my life. The magistrate's going to come get me. And so then the jailer actually was going to commit suicide and take his own life. And right before he does, Paul cries out and says, wait, don't do it. We're all still here. 
And then the jailer says, sirs, what must I do in order to be saved? And then Paul right there in prison led that dude to Jesus. Like this is how the the church at Philippi got started. You have Paul and Silas. You got a women's prayer meeting. You got a demonized slave girl and then a jailer. And they all come back and they sit on Lydia's couch and that's their church. That's very similar to Redemption Church. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the crazy church that we are. That's kind of the crazy way that we actually started this church. And what I think is so incredible about how we're doing the, the book of Philippians right now and where we're at is that our church didn't actually start where we are. Our church started somewhere else. That we actually opened the doors and Crockett Street at the gig. But before that, our church actually met here where we're recording this right now. Like our church actually started right here in a living room that I met Bo and he said, Hey, you can have a small group at my house. And so we actually started our church right here in this very living room. And so from our living room to yours, this is where our church comes from. And God has brought us through so much together as a church and I have joy because of it. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget where we have come from, that we can become so complacent in our state of ministry, our state of church, our state of being, that we forget about all of the times that God has done good in our lives. And then we look at our current situation and we feel like we're in a prison, but it's because we have forgotten what God has already done. And he begins to remember the people in his life that had made such a huge difference for his life. He prays for them, he loves them, and his joy is complete. Right now, we cannot be together as a church. I wish we could, but we can't. Okay, the local official said 10 people. Okay, Redemption Church, bigger than 10 people. <laughs> but right now, we're practicing what's known as social distancing. Paul, he was socially distant from his church but he was not spiritually distant from them. He was still with them. See, listen, social distancing does not mean that you are spiritually distant. He might have been away from his church, but he was still with his church in heart. And so social distancing does not mean spiritual distance. You can still engage with your church. You can still reach out to your church. You can still talk to your church. You can still text them and tell them how much you love them and remember everything that God has done in your life. If you want to find joy, here's what you need to remember. You need to remember where you come from, which leads to the fourth point. Remember where you're going. If you want to find joy, number four, remember where you are going. Here's what he says in verse six. He says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. In this moment, his world has fallen apart, but he holds them in their heart because he has he has joy. For you are all partakers of me with grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense of the gospel. How many of you guys want to do a little bit of theology right now? Okay, you want to do some online Bible college? Okay, we're going to do a little online distance education. Okay, what, when we talk about salvation, salvation actually happens in three parts. A lot of people think, oh, it's just the moment you give your life to Jesus. That's part of it, right? Many people, they think, oh, give your life to Jesus, go to heaven. Okay, that's part of it. But there's a whole nother part in the middle. It's called life. Okay, and eternal life starts today. Eternal life is not when you die. Eternal life is when you meet Jesus. And so today is a part of eternal life. Forever is a long time, but it also includes the present. 
And so when it comes to salvation, there's three parts. Okay, there's justification. That's the part when you meet Jesus, your sins are forgiven. The third part is glorification. That's when you're with Jesus, you receive your resurrected new bodies in the new heavens and the new earth. You're in heaven. What comes in the middle? That part is called sanctification. Sanctification is when life is hard but you're still going to find joy in following Jesus. Yes. Sanctification is when things are difficult, but you're still going to find joy in following Jesus. Sanctification is sometimes you might want to give up, but you don't give up. You get up and you keep following Jesus. But who began this good work? See, I think a lot of times we think we're the ones who do this good work. But, but it wasn't us who began this good work. See, it wasn't you that started your good work. It was he who began the good work. Come on. See, he's the one who saves you. He's the one who loves you. He's the one who redeems you. He's the one who does the work in you. And what I want to encourage you with is this right here. Is there is justification, there's glorification, and then there's this thing in the middle that we call sanctification. That is the work of God. And God does not start what he can't finish. Amen. That if God started a work in you, he's going to see that to completion. Paul says, I am sure of this. I am guaranteed of this. I will promise you this, that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. So whatever you're going through right now, he's going to see you through. Yeah. If you're not dead, God's not done. He's still working in your life. Good. He doesn't start what he can't finish. I, on the other hand, I start a lot of things I can't finish. <laughs> right, just come to my house. Three months ago, my daughter Esther broke a window in our house. And I told my wife, hey, let's just put some cardboard over it. I'll fix it tomorrow. Three months later, hey, when are you going to fix that window? I was like, oh, dang it. But God's not like that. Right? God's not in heaven starting projects in your life that he's not going to see it to completion. He says, I want you to remember where you're going. Like, you may not be where you used to be. You may not be where you want to be. But God's not done with you yet. He's still going to work in your life. He's still going to move in your life. He's still doing something in you and through you and for you. God is not done. But remember where you're going in the process. Don't give up on what God wants to do in your life. Remember that even through this, in this coronavirus, the COVID-19, maybe you're listening five years into the future on our you know, sermon archive and you want to go back and study the book of Philippians and you're wondering, this is a really unique and weird time in this church. Maybe you're in another time. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you're going through and battling an addiction. Maybe you're going through financial troubles. Maybe there's some form of sickness that you're wrestling with. Maybe there's depression or or suicidal thoughts, or maybe there's anxiety inside you. And even five years in the future, you're listening to this right now. And I want to encourage you that God did not save you to leave you and forget you. He saved you because he loves you and he's not done with you yet. You may not be where you want to be, but you're not who you used to be, and God's going to continue to do this great work. I'm looking at all the people who are in the room with us today, and I've seen God move in every single one of your lives over the past several years. From the moment you first stepped in the doors of the church, from the moment you first got baptized, every single day, God is doing more and more and more and more and more in your life. Don't forget where you're going. Yes. He's growing you. He's moving you. He's changing you. God's got a good work for you. He started it. He will finish it. Amen. Which leads us to the fifth point. When you feel like your world is falling apart, remember that you are not alone. Remember, social distancing does not mean spiritual distance. You are not alone. It's easy to feel alone, 
but you're not alone. Here's what he says. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He loves his church. I love my church. Okay, every now and again, it's appropriate for a pastor to tell his church how he feels about him. I want you to know I love you. I'm actually really happy with our church. I I really am. I mean, sometimes Bo drives me crazy, but... (laughs) You said amen way too loud, brother. (laughs) Everybody in the comments, amen, amen. (laughs) We love him. And and I love my my church. (laughs) And, you know, I I really do love my church. Uh, A couple weeks ago... um, we went to a conference, and as we were at this conference, we were like, how's the church going? How's redemption going? And I was like, actually, I don't have, I'm, I'm really happy. I love my church. I don't, I don't have any complaints. Sometimes pastors get together, and they say, oh, man, my church is driving me crazy, and oh, they don't do this, and I try to get them to join a group, and they don't join a group, and nobody gives, and oh, my God, what am I going to do? And oh, my church, I forgot to only send me different people. You know what? I really love the people God sent. I love, I love my church. I, I love, I love you. Paul loves his church. I love what he says. He says, with the affection of Christ Jesus. As a pastor, I want to love my people with the same love that Jesus has given us. And in this season, people need a lot of love and they need to remember they're not alone. So here's what he does. It is my prayer that you may love more and more and that your love may abound with the knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God. Remember, you are not alone. Okay, I told you at the beginning, I'm, I'm an extrovert, so I really like hugs, and I miss hugs. And sometimes I, I feel alone. I love being surrounded by people, but even as we're practicing social distancing, they have to keep six feet away or we have to try to re-navigate change how we actually do church. And so I'm apart from people and sometimes it's easy for me to begin to feel alone. But it doesn't even have to be during a situation like this. Some people feel alone even in crowded rooms. That you can be surrounded by people and you can still feel alone. As Paul's writing this, I believe that he's probably feeling pretty lonely. I mean, he is in Rome he is in prison. He is in jail. He's away from the church that he loves, and he feels alone. But as he is writing this, he, he writes this, I love you like Jesus loves his church. I love you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And then he begins to pray for his, his church. Okay, And here's what I want you to know about this. The shortest distance between two people is prayer. Amen. He may not be with them, but he can pray for them. And as he prays for them more and more, he's filled with more and more joy. That right now in his life, it might feel like the world has fallen apart, but he loves them, and so he begins to pray for them. The shortest distance between two people is prayer. This morning I was talking to my wife, and she was kind of telling me that this is how she feels, that she feels kind of alone. And so I said, well, hey, let's reach out to some people. Let's take this moment and let's pray real quick and let's ask God, who are you putting in my heart so I can reach out to them so I can begin to pray for them? And the Lord just began putting people, people's names in our hearts. Hey, text this person. Let them know you love them. Hey, reach out to them. Tell them that you love them. Hey, check on this person. See how they're doing. And you know what I discovered is the more I stopped thinking about myself and the more I started praying for others, the more joy I had in my life. Yes. Yeah. See, that's what he's doing. See, Paul, he's not in prison thinking about his problems. He's thinking about his people. 
See, he's not sitting in prison thinking about the cell that he is in. He's thinking about the love that he has for his people. And so he begins praying for them. Even when the world feels like it's falling apart, hey, you don't have to be alone because there's a church that loves you. There are people that love you. There are people that support you. There are people that care for you. You are not alone. Pray for someone else. The shortest distance between two people is prayer. And I just love the prayer that Paul actually gives here. It's, it's four points. The first thing he says is pray for your church to grow in love. You're like, well, what do I pray for them? Pray this. Pray that they would grow in love. He says, I pray that your love would grow, that it would abound. It would overflow more and more. Pray for people to experience, experience love. I know that as many families are at home, as schools are out, right, it's important for moms and dads to be on the same team. So be praying for married couples to have love. I know that when it comes to the kids, okay, pray that the parents would respond in love, that they would grow in love for their kids. Maybe it comes down to the church and you want to experience the church grow in that. How do you do that? Well, you pray for people to experience, experience love. Mm-hmm. Right? Be praying. Say, God, I pray that their love would abound more and more. The second thing he says, pray that your church would grow in wisdom. There's a lot of people who are making really big decisions in life right now, and they're trying to figure out what are they going to do. I know that there's many in our church who have already lost their jobs. They're trying to figure out, what am I going to do? I know there's many who, they're trying to figure out, okay, well, you work today, so I can stay in with the kids, and then I'll work tomorrow, so you can stay in with the kids. Okay, what do I do? They need wisdom in that. There's business owners who are trying to figure out, how do I keep my business running? I mean, there's local and presidential and government officials who need a lot of wisdom. Every pastor that you know needs a lot of wisdom right now. We've never been in this situation. We need your prayers. We need wisdom. He says to grow in knowledge and discernment. If you really want to experience a little bit of joy, text your pastor this week. Say, I love you. I'm praying for you. May the Lord give you wisdom this week. I'm glad you're my pastor. Do that this week, you'll get some joy out of it. But he also prays for them to grow in holiness. He says to be pure and blameless. That word actually means that what's on the inside be revealed on the outside. That we would be a church that is growing in our holiness. That what God is doing inside of us would begin to manifest outside of us. Okay, because remember, joy is not what happens around you. Joy is what God is doing inside of you. And so what he wants to do is he wants to get that joy out. When you can't feel it, you need to find it. And then that produces holiness. That we would not respond to the ways of the world and act in the way that the world acts, but we would act in accordance to the word of God. That we would be pure, that we would be blameless. And then lastly, he says that we would be a witness. See, I actually believe that as a church, we're in the best opportunity to help others experience joy. I mean, just imagine as you, as you post through social media or maybe, you know, if you would go out to work or talk to some friends or reach out, call somebody and you begin encouraging them and say, why are you acting the way you act? Then you're able to say, hey, you know what? The world may be falling apart, but I got joy in my heart because I got, I got Jesus in my life. That's why he says that it would go on and that it would come through Jesus Christ, not situation, not circumstance, not how everything is happening, not what's going on in the world, but it says it would come through Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God. Listen, it is possible that even when the world is falling apart for you to have joy in your heart. I think right now the, the world needs that message. I think right now you need that message because I know right now I need that message. That as I was preparing to preach this week, 
I wasn't feeling very joyful, but I can tell you right now, I feel, I feel like I got a joy. Just as I'm speaking to you today, I, I feel that joy coming up. Sometimes I got to speak it until I feel it. Sometimes it takes a while for my heart to catch up with my mouth. <laughs> and so I need to begin to speak that joy and to be able to tell people about the joy that I have. And every time I begin to pray and help and lead and serve and I remember, oh yeah, that's right, I have joy. And so that's what I want to encourage you with today. I want to encourage you that you may not feel joy, but it's yours. It's yours in Jesus. That's why you need to go find it. That you may feel like your world has fallen apart, but I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, there is joy that is available for you. And it comes through the person and work of Jesus. Yes. Paul is in a prison and he has joy. You can be in a pandemic and you can have joy. You can be in a 14-day quarantine and you can still have joy. You can be worried, but you can still have joy. Mm -hmm. like you can be a little bit anxious, but you can still have joy. And don't let the situation, don't let the circumstance, don't let the pain, don't let the problems steal the joy that God has given you. You, you can have joy. So right now, maybe you're listening to this and you're wondering, how is this joy even possible? Well, it comes from a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives us joy. That's the number one most important thing is do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, then you have joy. And if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know him because that's where our joy comes from. There's a verse in the book of Nehemiah that says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right now, that's exactly what we need. We need that strength. The strength to be able to make it through, the strength to be able to make it another day, the strength to go through it, to get through it. And that comes from, that comes from joy. And so whoever you are, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, if you need that joy, we want to be able to pray for you. So that way you know that you're not alone. There's a lot of words that we can use to describe what's happening in the world today. Fear, panic, worry, anxiety, exhaustion. But let's give the world a better word. Let's give the world joy. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh,